Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, August 16th, 2020, we conclude our series titled, The Parables. Today's sermon, Workers of the Harvest, will be taught to us by Pastor Bob Wade out of Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Enjoy. You know, over the last five months, um, the result of this whole COVID-19 pandemic and the fear that's been associated with it has sort of made our, our nation uh, increasingly self-focused. Uh, and it's understandable in some ways, it really is. I mean, you can, you can look and you can see that you know, people are asking hard questions, am I gonna be safe? Uh, somebody trying to take my rights away from me? Or, you know, what's going on here you know, w- with my life? And so as we look at this parable this morning in Matthew chapter nine, The challenge is gonna be for us to refocus our thinking to include the Lord's call in our lives. To take our eyes off of us and to make sure that we put them back on what God is calling us to do with our lives. So let's read Matthew chapter nine, starting at verse 35 through verse 38 together. Follow along with me, please. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now these four verses here are gonna tell you four things here that are pretty important for us. The first thing you see here in verse 36 is you see the heart of God. Verse 36 tells us here, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Now clearly, if I'm gonna be like Jesus, it's one of those things that needs to be true of me. I need to see people like Jesus sees people. To be honest though, that's not that easy today. You know, I don't remember if there was a time in my life where I've ever seen, you know, so much angst and, and, and unhappiness as there is right now. Politics today, it seems like, have created a divide in our nation. There is a disdain that seem, people seem to have for one another. If someone holds a belief that's different than me, then I think so little of them that I almost, you know, can express the words, I hate them. There's no talk about compassion. And yet, when you look at the model, when you look at Jesus, Jesus' heart is a heart of compassion. Now the second thing you see there is in verse 37 is you see him mention the harvest. He says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. So according to Jesus, the harvest is plenty plentiful. I mean, there's lots and lots of people out there, people that need to hear the gospel, people that need to be challenged, encouraged, built up. There's plenty of that. It's funny because that's not exactly how you and I typically see our world. I mean, we typically look and see, well, I bet you the harvest is plentiful if you were to go to a third world country. For example, I'll bet you, you know, the harvest is plentiful if you went to Asia or if you went to Africa or Latin America or something like that, but not necessarily where I'm at. And yet Jesus here in the passage mentions here in verse 35 that they're going through the cities and villages of Israel. So these were the people that were around them. Jesus' point is, it's in your neighborhoods, your cities, 
That's where the harvest is plentiful. He keeps going then and gives us the third thing here in verse 37, and he talks about the issues of the laborers. Verse 37 again, he says, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So according to Jesus, it's few that are out there in the harvest, in his harvest. Now, here's the good news. If you go to verse 38, you'll actually see that there are more laborers that are available. He says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So there are people that are out there, they're just not in the harvest right now brings up a really great question. Why are they not in the Lord's harvest? Well, let me rephrase the question maybe differently. Why are people not serving the Lord? Well, the truth is not everybody believes that the building of God's kingdom is the highest priority. In one sense, there's a whole group of people out there that would call themselves Christians and may very well be. I, you know, I'm not judging anything like that, but that, that their goal is simply just to get to heaven. I mean, they miss completely the fact, the fact that they've been adopted into a brand new family and the family businesses share the good news about the son. Other people just simply get too busy. I mean, they, they begin, their life begins to get filled up with so many different things that it's seemingly impossible to put in serving the Lord in the midst of a schedule that always is full. Other people are just comfortable. Man, I don't, I don't wanna mess with my life right now. I mean, I like my life. I'm, it's going the right way. I'm really comfortable. I don't wanna you know, rock the boat at all. I just wanna keep it exactly how it is. Others would say, well, they have sort of a later mentality, like, well, that's coming. I mean, right now, you know, I've got a few things I need to do. I really need to, you know, I, I really need to make these, you know, these deals the next couple years. I need to climb the ladder just a little bit more so I can set myself up and then I'll do all of that later. And so it's really a priority issue. Some would look and just say, well, it's just someone else's role. I'm not... I'm not very outgoing. I mean, I'm not, I don't have that demonstrative sort of personality, you know, and I'm sort of a stay in the back kind of a person, and so they just don't see it as their role or they just say it's not my thing. You know, there's an interesting story in Matthew chapter four. Keep your finger here in Matthew chapter nine and go back to Matthew chapter four. Just before Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter four, Jesus goes off, the Father sends him off, the Holy Spirit leads him into the desert. And it's there in the desert that he gets tempted. Now, I'll be honest with you, it's a kind of an interesting look at things. I mean, why would he be tempted? And it's such a model here for us to have to, to grab onto. But as he's being tempted, here's the last temptation that comes along. Starting in verse eight. And it says, and again, the devil took him, that's Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. That's a really interesting little story. Just to throw in there, I mean, I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, you think winning the, the lotto would be, or the Powerball would be a big deal. Can you imagine being in a spot where every single thing that's out there that's awesome and good and cool and everything like that, you can have it. If you just choose this path, you can have this. 
Now, of course, Jesus was never gonna do that. I mean, there's no division between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's not even an issue. But the picture here, the picture of the temptation is something that all of us face. Do I pursue what I want or do I pursue what God wants with my life? Because the truth is all of us are pursuing something. Now the fourth thing here that you see here in this, in this parable is in verse 38, you see Jesus' direction. He says, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Can I tell you why the earnest part comes in here? Because the idea of being earnest is I'm fully invested in this moment. You see, it's one thing to go, you know, to hear like, oh wow, they really need more people to go on this mission trip. Boy, God, I just hope you send people on the mission trip. To pray earnestly though, would be to stop personally and maybe just go on to my knees, God, I heard what they just said, are you calling me to this? Am I supposed to be a part of this? Is that what you want? Jesus' direction is that we're supposed to pray that God will move the hearts of his people to be laborers in his kingdom. And I wanna be honest with you, nothing calling-wise is higher than being a worker in his harvest. The point of the parable here is that God clearly has a heart for people and wants us, his children, to have that very same heart, that very same mission in life. You know, biblically, we believe the mission of the church was given to us by Jesus. In Matthew chapter 22, there's a story about an attorney who comes and tries to trip Jesus up, and so he asks him a question about what is the great and foremost commandment, and Jesus says, you're supposed to love me the most, and then you're supposed to love other people like you love yourself. Then if you turn over to Matthew chapter 28, You'll see in verses 19 and 20 that Jesus said, I want you to go into the world and make disciples. I want you to make followers of me. This is where Highlands gets its mission statement. Love God, love people, make disciples. Now why is that important? Well, it's the basis of who we are as Christians. You and I are servants. We are called to be workers in his harvest. I mean, the Bible is as clear as can be on this whole thing. The goal of a Christian is not just to get into heaven. The goal of a Christian is to be who God has called you to be. Well, who has he called me to be? Well, first of all, Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 tells me that God created me to serve him. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, before the foundation of the world, before God ever created the earth, he decided you're going to serve me. I created you for that. Logan, you're going to be a person that I'm going to use. Oh, I see you say, well, that sounds like miraculous. Well, of course, he's a miraculous God. But it's not just that he created me because 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20 tells me that God saved me also to worship him. He says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, 
whom you have from God, that you're not your own. You were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Did you catch that line there? God bought you with a price so that you would glorify him. Not just get in, but that you would honor him. But it's even more than that. Matthew chapter six, verse 33 tells us that Jesus commanded me to serve him first. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you. See, the call in our lives is to spend our whole lives serving as God plants us, where God plants us. It's the call to live missionally, to see all of my life as a mission field. Last August, you know, we introduced our five-year vision the church, and we began to talk about this. I know a lot of people say, well, wow, there's just so many, you know, these changes that are kind of coming along. We're, we're calling people to walk with the Lord. Our vision statement is, is clear. It says to encourage everyone's next step towards Jesus Christ. Well, part of that is not clear. To help families grow together in faith. To actively serve our community. Now, the first part of this is the call to grow spiritually. It's to encourage everyone's next step. If I could simplify this down, our vision is as simple as we want you to personally grow. That's what we're after. Our goal is that you personally, and that means each one of us, would grow personally. But we understand that for that to happen, you have got to make a move. Nobody grows by staying exactly where they're at and never you know, taking that next step towards the Lord and becoming what God wants us to be. No one grows at that. We, we have to take a step. And so we've really taken the uh, four steps here, four simple steps towards growth here that can help you do that. The first one is this, is that we just simply say attend church. You say, well, that sounds like a, you know, one of those no-brainers, kind of a duh thing, right? Attend church? Well, by attending church, we're talking about being faithful. It's about coming on a regular basis on Thursdays and Sundays, or it's engaging online if you're, if you're doing that. It's not about once every third week. It's about deciding that you're going to make this a weekly thing for your life. And people say, well, that sounds like a lot. Yeah, it does, unless the, you know, you're on your Peloton three times a week. We, have, we know how to do things on a regular basis. We can attend church. You see, why? Why is it such a big deal for me to be you know, in, in church? Well, we believe your life will change for the better. You see, when you come to church and you begin to sing songs of worship, one of the things is what's really vital, what's really important begins to be clarified there. As you begin to sing a song and you hear you know, simple things like, it's your breath in my lungs. That strikes me as such an important thing. I breathe because God lets me breathe. I breathe to honor him. Worship clarifies what is vital. We come and we pray together over all those needs that, that pop up on the thing and that, that prayer builds dependence and trust in God and then we stop and we study God's word and studying his word builds faith. If I just get committed just to being in church on a regular basis and participating in what happens, we grow. Now there's a second thing. 
if you say, oh, I'm committed to church, okay, great. The next thing is connect into a small group. See, the key is you need to connect with other believers. Acts chapter two, which is like a, um, sort of the model of what the church is whenever anybody wants to see what, what should the church actually look like? Well, Acts chapter two is what it really should look like. You see the believers there, they were studying together. They were fellowshipping together. They were sharing meals together. I mean, the truth is, we need people in our lives. I mean, we need people who will love us, pray for us, walk with us, be there. Whether you're married or you're single, you need people. You know, Solomon, who was the, the wisest man who ever lived in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine and 10, gives us the great advantage of having others come alongside us in our lives in those difficult moments of life. He said this, he says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their toil. For if one will fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no one to lift him up. The truth of the matter is difficult times do come in life. And when those difficult moments happen, we need somebody that will come alongside of us and walk with us and pray for us and pick us up and, and be there and say, you know, listen, you're gonna go to this doctor's appointment, can I go with you? How can we be praying for you? Can we come by your house and do this? Can we bring you a meal? Do you just need someone to talk to? We need people in our lives. So the steps here are not that difficult. Attend church, connect into a small group of people that, you will, that will love you and care about you. And then the third step here is to serve other people. I mentioned this earlier, Ephesians 2.10, we're created to serve. 1 Corinthians 6, we're saved to serve. Matthew 6.33, we're commanded to serve. But in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it tells us that Jesus modeled serving for us. Listen to what he says in 1045. He says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now here's my question. If our model served, shouldn't I? I mean, if he's the model, don't I do that? I mean, no servant is greater than his master, right? That's what first John you know, chapter 13 tells us. The truth is the church operates on service. It was designed that way. And it provides opportunities both inside the church and outside the church to serve. And, and the truth is we need lots and lots of servants. I mean, you can't run a weekend around here at Highlands without 200 to 250 people serving. Last year we had 800 people in the body that served on a regular basis here in church. And that sounds like a great number, but the truth is if you have you know, 99% of your people and you have 1% that's not there, then we have something to work on. Everybody in the body needs to be serving. Everybody in the body needs to see themselves as a worker in his harvest. Now the, third, the fourth thing here is you see, we need to make disciples. That's the fourth part of our growth pattern. It's a decision that you're gonna make. How do we do that? It's by intentionally building into others' lives. Discipleship is as simple as this. It is allowing a spiritually mature believer to walk alongside of you to a deeper understanding and walk with Jesus. As simple as that. 
It's meeting with someone that starts the process of you talking back and forth together on how you can make your life count for Jesus Christ. And many of you are at that spot right now where you need to be there. You need to be discipled and then you need to be discipling. And this is a process. And if we're gonna make disciples, which is what Jesus commanded us, the church, the church to do, then you first have to be a disciple. Right now we have a couple hundred people that are in that process. And we are totally convinced that if you will take this next step, if you'll make that decision to, just to attend, attend church on a regular basis, connect into a small group, serve other people, and be in discipleship, that you will grow spiritually, and as a result, the church will grow spiritually. Now, the second part of our vision is this, and that is to help families grow together in faith. Now, a, a part of that is, I, I mean, you've, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that you've noticed over the last few months that when the worship team is up here, the band and, and people that are leading up here, have you noticed it's gotten a little bit younger? That's totally on purpose. See, we're in the process of putting students into this, this, this worship part up here. We want them to be a part of leadership. We want them to play a role in these things. We want to see students at the doors. We're even creating an area over here where our cafe is at, where it's going to be a whole student connect area. It'll be completely set up for our students to hang out before and after and do all those things because we want our students to be a part of this church and not a separate entity. Too often that's what happens with youth groups. Now that doesn't mean we're taking away Wednesday nights and small groups and discipleship and camps and we're not doing none of that stuff. But what we are doing is putting them into the middle of worship so that as a church, we worship together. And that means you're going to see younger people involved. We are in the process of, of redoing our Highlands Kids Ministries. We're ramping it up to, to make sure that it's engaging, that it's fun something that kids really look forward to. We want that program to be a catalyst for families and what they do with their children. Our hope is to see more conversations about faith and the Bible in the homes. Our new curriculum, Orange, and by the way, there's nothing weird, spiritual, or symbolic about that name at all. I don't know why they chose the name Orange, but they did. Our new curriculum, Orange, here is, just, is absolutely the world leader in providing churches and families with that, that, that sort of necessary component that makes having conversations simple and easy. And we're excited about that. You're gonna hear more and more about that in the days and weeks to come. As a church, we believe that our role is to stimulate learning and to support the parents, but the building of kids' faith is much more than what can happen here on an hour or two a week. Building faith in our kids is an everyday effort, and we believe that Orange is going to be an everyday help. It's gonna address life. It's gonna help integrate faith into life. It's something families can do together, whether you're you know, in the car, whether you're at home, it's, whether it's in the morning, you're sitting down at the dinner table, it will simply make it easier to have some conversations and your kids can be on the same page as you. Now there's a third part of our vision and that we would actively serve our community. Now, Thomas mentioned this earlier, but you know, serving our community is totally mushroomed during this whole, this whole COVID-19 crisis thing. I mean, really, it's, I don't wanna sound weird here, but it's been hard to explain other than God was just working on how much we were able to do. 
Just, and it was totally a God thing. There's no planning by us that did this. It was, I mean, it was just absolutely amazing what the Lord did through the faithfulness of the people. We were helped churches, agencies, hundreds of people. I mean, it was just absolutely great, and we want to continue to do that. But here's what we mean when I say actively serve our community, and that is that our vision is to see individual believers view their neighborhoods where you live as your mission field. Missional living is to live in the middle of your mission field. And so it matters where you go to work because that's your mission field. Or where your kids go to school, that's your mission field. Or where you shop, that's your mission field. Home Depot was my mission field. Serving our community means getting to know your neighbors. Maybe it's hosting a block party or a a neighborhood cleanup or helping an, an older couple or a couple in need that's around there. Perhaps it's going on Right Now Media, which is something like everybody at Highlands Church has the capacity to go and pull stuff off Right Now Media. Maybe it's pulling off a whole thing on parenting or pulling off you know, something on there that's a whole thing on marriage and simply going to some of your neighbors on the block and say, hey, we're gonna watch these videos on marriage. Would you, you know, just, would you like to come down and watch a video together? We'll just have a discussion afterwards. Pretty simple way to maybe get people started on the process of thinking about spiritual things. Now we realize, okay, hey, I'm really busy, my schedule's really full. We don't wanna add to your schedule, but we would encourage you, maybe it needs to be prioritized. Maybe you need to be coaching your kid's soccer team, your kid's little league team. I mean, I coached uh, travel baseball for years. You know why I did it? Because I liked being out in the sweaty, no, I did not do it because of that. I did it because there was this whole group of parents that God opened up the door for me to talk to with. Some of them now attend Highlands Church. Maybe you start by simply introducing yourself to your neighbors and then going back, and back into your house and writing the name down so you don't forget, so the next time you see him, you go, hey, you, right? You'd remember. Listen, go back to Matthew chapter nine for a second, would you? Matthew chapter nine tells us that Jesus has a heart for compassion. Verse 36 says, I wanna encourage you, we need to have the exact same heart. Verse 37 says the harvest this mass of people that are out there, the need is absolutely obvious. I need to see the need. And yet verse 37 says that there's not enough people right now that do. There's not enough people that are laboring in God's harvest. What we are asking you personally is to see your whole life as a mission field, to see yourself as a worker in his harvest. And then finally in verse 38, Jesus says, pray, earnestly, really pray. And so this morning, we're asking you to do two things. Normally I would only ask you to do one, but this morning we're asking you to do two. The first one is this, we're asking you to commit to taking your next step spiritually. Again, you can't grow and get to where God wants you to be if you don't move. 
And so we're asking you to take a step. Is this the kind of step where you really need to stop and spend a week praying about it? No, I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, yes, I want you to grow. Now, what you may need to do is work on your scheduling. But I'd encourage you that if you're saying, look, I, I just need to be in church all the time, that's the biggest thing because I, I haven't been there, okay, then start there. But if you say, okay, I'm there, I, I'm in church, okay, now you need to connect into a group. Okay, I'm, I'm in a group of people, okay, now it's time for you to serve. You say, well, I, I am serving. Well, now it's time for you to step up and be discipled and make disciples. You could do that today. There's a number of different ways. I mean, Thomas mentioned the app. You can download the app, so simple. I mean, uh, yesterday I, I, I did it on my, on my wife's phone and, and it was 15 seconds. I mean, really, you're in. You could text to the number that you saw up earlier there, Highlands Church at 555-888. You can go out and talk to the staff out here at Info Central. They will sign you up there. You could go online and do it. The bottom line is we want to encourage you, don't wait. If you wait, you'll talk yourself out of it. If God is moving on your heart to grow, do it today. The second thing is this, pray earnestly about this one. Pray earnestly about how God could use you in the harvest to live missionally right where you're at. How would God use you in your neighborhood where you work, all those things? Would you pray with me? Father, um, it, it, Father, it's my prayer that you would move on our church family's hearts toward you, God. That each person here would make the decision to move towards you, to grow, to take that step, to become who you want them to be, to see themselves as a servant in your harvest, God. Move us that way, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that we tend to hear from people in life is people say, I don't even know why I'm here on the earth. What is my purpose? Folks, our purpose here by the God who created all things is to be his servants, to be workers in his harvest. And we want more than anything that you would have that sense of satisfaction that comes from knowing that the one who created you, who saved you, who calls you, and who models it for you is calling you to make a difference with your life. You can do that, but it starts with making a step. Please do that today. God bless you, love you all. Have a good day.